Live from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter, where Mormonism meets Biblical Christianity face-to-face. -face. Here I am standing, downtown Salt Lake City in our studios, surrounded by beautiful Christian girls. Look at this sight. Isn't this wonderful? And they're very proud of their faith and who they are. And, you know, the, the strength of a nation really lies in the girls and the women, not so much the men. It relies on the girls and the women because they set the standard of what's going on. So, really good. We're going to introduce, uh, these girls are going to introduce themselves. So, let's start over here at this end with... My name is Heather. I'm Brittany. This is Jocelyn. I'm Alicia. I'm Rihanna. I'm Alexis. Go ahead. Lila. Lila and... Ciara. Ciara. And uh, these girls, they have some messages to say. So, the sisters are going to say something now. Say hi to Terry, our aunt, and I want to say thank you for my dad to leading us to Jesus Christ. Praise God. What a great message. Anything you girls want to say? But there's someone you want to introduce to, isn't there? Tiara. This is Tiara, the little puppy, and below the Tiara is Ciara. So uh, it's a wonderful thing, girls, to be on the show. Thank you so much for being here. Be safe, be good, and keep following the Lord. Bye-bye. Bye, Tiara. Bye, Lily. Bye, Lila. Uh-oh. <laughs> All right. If, uh, if you go to www.hotm.tv, you can get Heart of the Matter live streaming video from anywhere in the world. We uh, welcome you if you're watching in, from that venue. Uh, if you're in the Salt Lake area, Affordable Automotive is a great place to take your vehicle. If you have automotive needs, we recommend them uh, because they're so good and they are believers. Let's talk for a minute about Sundays. This week is our last Bible study at the U of U from 2.30 to 3.30. Uh, before that Bible study and every Sunday from 1 to 2, AM 820, The Truth replays uh, Heart of the Matter on their station. So if you want, uh, if you have some free time from 1 to 2 on Sunday afternoons, tune in to AM820 and you can uh, hear uh, rebroadcast programs. Then, on Sunday, October 2nd, week after this coming Sunday, we are launching into an official new church. Take a look.
Society, crazy and deep. I hope you're not alone. Now you notice that the first uh, gathering is called Milk. Uh, we're going to be going through the book of Matthew. And uh, we gather together. We learn the word. We worship. We break out into uh, groups where you're with your peers. And then we come back together for fellowship, food, and prayer. And then in the afternoon, it's the same model. We gather together to study Romans. That's the meat. Uh, and for people who want to learn the Bible in a heavier fashion, we start with the book of Romans. We meet together, worship, we break up into peer groups, and then we end the, the time together with food and fellowship. Uh, if you have questions, um, let us know. You can go to www.campus with hyphens in between, C-A-M-P-U-S.com, hyphens in between each letter, and uh, you can find out directions um, to where uh, campus is going up. Now listen up. Campus, we are, we're not going to be like a popular uh, church in the sense because we're really going to focus on the word and prayer and being a family together on Sunday and then going out into the world after that. There's not, it's not a social organization, not a lot of entertainment, not an entertaining worship or something that really emotionally grips you. It's really going to be centered in the word. And uh, so it's, gonna not, it's certainly not a new religion, but it will definitely be a new Christian culture. So if you're interested in that, uh, you're always welcome uh, to show up at either of the meetings, even both if you want. Child care will be provided uh, at both there at the U of U. Um, so that's that. We're going to have kind of a potpourri show tonight, and I'll explain why in a, in a minute. But I want to introduce uh, a, a guest uh, who's going to be here for a few minutes and tell you about a program that Aletheia Media completely endorses. Uh, they're calling it Transitions, and I'd like to bring out Ken Mulholland to help explain it. How are you doing, Sean? Good. Good to see you. Good to see you. What's up? Well, thanks for having me on your program, and I uh, really appreciate your endorsement of the Transitions program. Let me just give a little history behind this. One of the things that has been happening in the last, I would say, five to ten years is there's been a real movement of LDS people who have said, I've had it with the Mormon church, I no longer believe Mormonism, but I don't want to give up on Jesus, I don't want to give up on God, and I don't necessarily want to give up on church. And so Transitions has been developed for people who have made that mental uh, and that uh, emotional and spiritual break with the LDS church and the LDS faith, but who still want to follow Jesus in some way and believe in Jesus in a biblical way. 
And so Transitions is a DVD-based evangelism tool to help these people to make that transition in their understanding of what Christianity is based upon the Bible, but also to hopefully also make a transition to a fellowship of Christians where they can find a new identity in Christ. So, well, uh, we have the state of Utah, and we have a lot of LDS people in the state of Utah. So what Ken and his group has done is they have put together not some fly-by-night training package with a couple loose binders and a, and a DVD that's lousy. These guys, with a, uh, a lot of help from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church, they really put together a program. And then last, was it last Saturday? Yes. Last Saturday, they invited all the churches to send a representative to be trained on this program. Why? Because you have this Baptist church out there, this Lutheran church here, this Catholic church here, whatever you have in the state, and everybody who sent somebody was trained on what to do with this. So what happens is on a Sunday, a person comes in and says, you know, I used to be LDS, and uh, I'm gonna come into this church, what, what do I do? And they will be trained through the transition of what to expect, right? That's exactly right. What we do, we have six parts to this, the first three parts really have to do with who am I if I'm not a Mormon? Because a person's identity as LDS is completely wrapped up in the Mormon church and a Mormon identity. And we talk about how do you find a new identity in Christ? What do I do about the relationships that have fallen apart because I no longer believe Mormonism? How do I establish new relationships within a Christian congregation? But we also talk, one of the power of the appeal of Mormonism is this big story that Mormonism tells about the pre-existence in this estate and then what's coming next in terms of exaltation. It's not true, but it's compelling. We tell the biblical story, the pre-existence, God who loved us, who existed from, ever, from, from time without end, to our experience now, what does it mean to know Christ and to have a mission in our life, to have a purpose that is driven by the gospel of Jesus Christ and finally, what do we hope for after the resurrection with the new heaven and the new earth? Because one of the appeals of Mormonism is this idea of an embodied existence. Well, in fact, the Bible does teach that. We will be resurrected as Jesus himself was resurrected. And so we talk about the big story, the grand story of Christianity. By the way, that was an excellent transition on your part from that camera to that one. It was yes. really, you did, you represented the product well. Now listen, the Lord is not gonna bring the walls of Mormonism down and crack the foundation until the churches in this, in this state are gonna be prepared to receive what comes out. I mean, if one-tenth of the LDS uh, ch members in this uh, state left Mormonism, the churches today could not handle it, one-tenth. So what they have said is we want to prepare the churches to receive these people who are coming out. And, you know, let's show, we're going to show a list of the churches who sent representatives. Uh, there was a number of them, but here's the list. Now, if you live in this area, uh, go and walk into one of these churches because they are trained on how to help you. Any of the Alpine churches in Riverdale, Layton, Logan, West Haven, uh, the Bridging Jordan Church in Murray, the Cache Valley Bible Church in Logan, uh, the Calvary Chapel Wasatch in Clearfield, Calvary Chapel Salt Lake City, Terry Long, First Presbyterian Church, uh, Salt Lake City, Good Shepherd Lutheran Church, of course, in Sandy, K2, the church in Salt Lake City, Main Street Church in Brigham City. 
all uh, New, New Pilgrim Baptist in Kearns and Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Brigham City. All right? So every one of those churches, right, Ken? That's right. They've had someone who's been trained in that. Yeah, and they'll be offering something soon in the fall. Uh, contact these churches, the one that's near you. Find out when they're going to be offering something and then really take advantage of it. So what we're going to do here in Aletheia Ministries on the show and on the website is we're going to keep you updated on the churches that have gone through the training and when a Latter-day Saint or an ex-Latter-day Saint or present whatever walks into their doors, they can say, hey, we have someone who's been trained in transition. Why don't you go through this DVD workbook and stuff to help you understand what is actually going on? And I have to say something. If you're a church out there or if you go to a church that has not attended the training, you're an idiot. Sorry. You need to go to this because the state needs to unite to have places where people coming out of Mormonism can go. And, and we're just going to keep supporting this so that there's more and more churches who are adept. If you're a church that says we're not going to participate in transitions, what you're saying is we're not going to be functionally ready to handle the onslaught of Latter-day Saints who are coming out into a relationship with the Lord. Sorry about the idiot. You know how I use that term. It's endearing. Now, Ken, any final words? Yes, uh, you can actually view three of these online. If you go to our website, which is uh, www.com, LDS Transitions with an S.com. LDS Transitions.com. You can actually view the first three of the six online. If you want to purchase it, you can get that there. And if you want to find out ongoing information about churches that are participating, you can also find that on our website. Excellent. I know for a fact there are many people viewing this program tonight and who will view it through the archives and on Tuesday morning who sit, who we're raised LDS. You guys are not doing anything with your faith. You know in your heart you love the Lord. You know in your heart you want to know Him, but you don't know what to do. You have 11 churches right now, and there will be more coming, that are ready to help you understand what you can do and how you can have this relationship we've been talking about for six years on this show of a relationship with the Lord versus religion. Really appreciate all you've done. Thank you, Sean. We'll continue to support right. you guys. Great, thanks. All right, and with that, let's have a word of prayer. Uh, Father in heaven, we love you. We need you. We pray for the Transitions Program and the churches that will uh, utilize this to help these dear Latter-day Saints who, like it says in Romans 10, want to know you, Lord, but they haven't been able to establish the fact that you're the righteous one, not themselves. So we pray you'll open up the gates of heaven and pour out a blessing, a spiritual blessing upon the, the heads and hearts of the people in this state and that the churches will be ready to receive them and teach them using this great tool that has been uh, prepared, Lord. We love you. And we pray for our volunteers. We pray for people searching for truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So listen, my laptop, hard drive blew up. I do everything on that thing. For years have, it blew up. I had to get a new... Uh, uh, hard drive recreated and everything else. So uh, to, I'm, I'm uh, this afternoon at three o'clock and I'm still not ready because I haven't had my laptop. So instead of pursuing the course of the Book of Mormon, please accept my apologies. We're going to have kind of a potpourri story tonight. We're going to go through and answer different things, bring up different uh, issues that have come up, talk about it, and we're going to open up the phone lines right now. So it's early. If you have wanted to call 
Call now, 801-973-8820, 801-973-TV20. If you're LDS, call with your questions, your accusations, your attacks. Uh, if you're Christian, do the same. It doesn't matter. But make sure you have something that is uh, viable and, and uh, presentable for us to air, and we'll take your call. we got extra time tonight for the calls, and we're going to go through and talk about some things. First of all, get a lot of complaints from people who are Catholic about my including Catholicism in with Mormonism in terms of they say I make comparisons between the two. Uh, let me say, state, we love people of all faiths. Uh, we love people of non-faith. We love people who don't have a faith. Uh, we, our object is faith and love. So it doesn't matter to us if you're a Catholic or a Baptist or a Mormon. What matters to us is if you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, which is vindicated through spiritual rebirth or made possible, it's not vindicated, possible through spiritual rebirth, or if you're just a religionist. If you go to the Catholic Church or the Lutheran Church or the Baptist Church or campus and you sit there and you think, I go to church, therefore I am a good guy, a good Christian, that's not the case. Our problem with Catholicism is that it, like Mormonism, represents a monolithic um, religious institution. And a lot can be lost in religious institutions through their liturgy, through their rites, their rituals, their ordinances, their priesthoods, their authority, and all that stuff that comes in with organized religion. And a lot can be lost and a lot can be stuck in between the individual and God. Meaning the individual looks up to heaven and the Catholic Church or the Mormon Church, sometimes the Baptist Church, Presbyterian, sticks its head in between that relationship. That is what we are wholly against. So please understand that uh, we're not at war with the Catholic people or the Mormon people. We're at, we're at war with isms. Anything that's an ism or an ist that takes the place between human beings and their relationship with God, which they can have directly. Okay, uh, next, there are people who often write and call and they talk about how uh, right Mormonism is by virtue of their worldwide presence, their large appeal, how fast the church is growing. The LDS defense often says why we are one of the fastest growing churches in the world. Joseph Smith started the church in 1830. Look how big it has gotten and uh, how uh, big we are. And look at, they'll say, look at you guys. You're getting one person a month maybe that will write you a call and say they're changed because of the show. Uh, first of all, common consensus is one of the greatest lies in the world. Uh, uh, the populace does not determine truth. It never has. Um, instead, it, it usually determines what is false or at least weak need. What is the truth? He is the truth. And what did he say? Remember, he said, straight is the gate, narrow is the way, few be there that find it. Now, that's, that's not talking about a formula. It's meaning few be there that find him. So... Um, Large, fast-growing, worldwide religious movements ought to do nothing but terrify you, quite frankly, uh, not impress you. Uh, the natural men, natural men and women, it will impress them. They will say, why? Look at our outstanding buildings. 
Look how much money we have. Look at the way we have spread. This is vindication that God is behind us completely. That's just not so. Historically, it's not so. The only time Christianity had a leg in being a dominant world force was when Constantine made it the, uh, the, the state religion, and that's when the whole thing fell apart. It's going to be the body of Christ has struggled all along. Few be there that find it, okay? So uh, the large, fast-growing, we have it all together, uh, got a lot of money appeals are nothing but a fleshly appeal. And... Uh, where might makes right, like Karl Marx said, and it's just not so with God. Okay, how about a couple emails? We have a caller waiting, uh, first one. Lines are full, but keep trying, and we'll try to get to you. Rebecca says that she joined the church because she needed financial help, and the bishop was willing to help her, and so she felt obligated and had to attend. Um, this is a common thing that we get. Should I break my relationship with the church? They help me financially, but I don't believe in it at all. And then we have another person who wrote, a Christian, and said, how can I have a dialogue with my LDS friends who I love so much and not offend them and be able to continue a relationship with them? And then we had Kendrick and Grant. They both wrote about having LDS girlfriends. They're both Christians whom they care about deeply and love, and how to reach them. There's a common denominator with each of these emails that we've received, and that is a Christian being engaged with a Latter-day Saint, engaged in one way or another, financially, or through friendship, or through uh, uh, intimate relationships. My advice is you really can't expect to not get burned if you play with fire. We get so many emails. Uh, the, the most prominent email we get in terms of a problem is, I am dating or I have married or I married a member of the LDS church. I am a Christian. He is a Mormon or she's a Mormon and I'm a Christian, whatever it is. And we thought we could do it and now we can't. Or how do I reach them? Because now we're in love. Uh, and I tell you, it's foolishness. If you get engaged that way with a Latter-day Saint, there's a cost. I gotta tell you, having been Mormon for 40 years, the sole objective, always on the mind of an active Latter-day Saint, is to get you converted. They think on it, they work on it, and if the person you're involved with doesn't, the family certainly will. When you marry a Mormon, you marry the Mormon church and you bring it into your heart and into your life. So if you're Christian, I realize, sort of, in this state, the pickings are slim. You've got people who are, you know, living it up wild. You've got Mormons, and the pickings are slim in terms of who you can date. You know, there are other people out there in this world. Be patient, wait on the Lord, trust in Him. Also, it's gonna be very difficult for you to share with friends and not insult them. When it comes down to the truth, the truth always will create a division between you and someone else. But you can do it in love, you can do it with prayer, and, but in time it will, the rubber will meet the road and when the Latter-day Saint knows there is no chance of converting you, usually that will end the relationship. All right, um, what else? 
Let's go to, sorry, Scott Salt Lake City. He says campus sounds cultish. Scott, tell me about the cult campus. Oh, uh, hi, how you doing, Sean? I'm doing well. You're on the air. All right, thanks. Hey, uh, no, and, uh, no, I just thought uh, it was kind of strange because I know you're a Calvary Chapel guy. I'm a Calvary Chapel guy, and I just thought, wow, it's kind of weird that you're saying you're starting this new uh, church or a different, you know, a different area of how to go about it. And uh, I just, I don't know, it just sounds cultish to me, and I was just wondering if you could explain to me how it's not, I mean, really, you know what I mean? Kind no, of, I'm it sorry is. to say that. It's and a I don't cult. mean to put you on the spot. But. No, it's not on the spot. It's a cult. I wanted to call my own brother out. I mean, if I was LDS, I could slam it like everybody else does, but I'm not. I'm a brother of yours, and I'm just trying to figure out. Calvary Chapel is a great movement. I just couldn't figure out why you'd want to start something different. That's all. Uh, because I am not a Calvary Chapel guy. I went to the school. Oh, okay. Okay, I went to the school of ministry. That's where I learned. Okay. But I have never attended a Christian church. I have never, oh. ever been involved in their culture. I have only okay. learned the Bible, taught the Bible, came from Mormonism, and began teaching the Bible. In terms, right. in terms of the cult, I wanted to call this the Jesus Christ cult, but the board that I was dealing with at the time said, you will be crucified if you do that. So uh, I didn't do it. And let me tell you something, Scott. Dogmatically, everything is a cult. Everything has a culture. Calvary Chapel has its own cult, its own culture. You do it the Calvary Chapel way. And they all are the same, just like McDonald's. Mormonism's the same. The difference is, I just don't believe religion should be the focal point that people serve. I believe the religion should teach and people should leave the church and live their life with non-believers. And then come back on Sunday. And so there is no concerts. There is no this through the week. There is no come and support that. There is no building petitions. There's none of the stuff that goes on with many Christian churches. There's no donations. There's no passing the plate. There's no words called tithing. There's no, none of this stuff because none of it, at least the way I see it, is not part of the New Testament church, you see? Yeah. So all of those things which are present in Calvary Chapel denomination are not part of this because if I thought those were right, I would be a Calvary Chapel guy. So in terms yeah. of a cult, uh, it's not a cult in terms of, whoa, it's just, hey, it, it is a certain culture. And we are going to stand behind that culture. And if one person likes it, that's fine. And if a hundred do, even better, whatever. Does that help? Yeah, it totally does. And another thing, you mentioned all those other churches with that, that deal you were talking about earlier. And uh, my current ex-wife goes to Genesis Project, which is a branch of K2, and you never mentioned that one. I don't know if you know anything about well, them or what's going well, on with that. Or... Scott, the reason we didn't mention them is because they didn't have a representative come and train, or they did and they didn't want their name to be mentioned on the show yet. So, right. uh, like we said, we will continue to follow up and we will continue to support the body in the state of Utah from this ministry. Even though we have campus, I will support anybody who teaches Jesus Christ crucified as the only means of salvation. But in just, right. so you'll see the Genesis Church come up if they are trained, but they need to be trained so they know what they're doing. Yeah, and I hope they are because, you know, she goes there and I, was, I, I saw her uh, when I was visiting uh, my daughter and her and uh, she said to me that the people out there are calling them a cult right now well you know it's a real it's a thought killing cliche you've never you very rarely in six years i may have used the word the word cult three or four times because everything is a cult everything has a culture 
and including the including whatever you name it but is it a destructive one or is it a life-giving culture and that's kind of the difference thanks so much for the call scott all right thank you sean i appreciate it god bless yeah. you god bless you bye-bye uh we're gonna go to mac and magna he's a first-time caller and he's lds mac you're on heart of the matter turn your tv down Okay. Sounds like a wise man on, who's talking right there. Just kidding. Mac, you're on the air. Okay. You're on the air, Mac. Okay. I'm talking to Sean. You are. Okay, Sean, this is Mark in Salt Lake. Hi, Mark. You're not reacting on the screen. Mark, you can't watch the screen. You're you're talking to me at live, and there's a delay. You just have, okay. You just okay. have to talk to me. All right, I'm talking to you, Sean. The thing that I'm kind of concerned about is several weeks ago you talked about how you got through elementary school and junior high and high school and college. You cheated all your way through. Yeah, that's what you said. I know. And I just a second. Now, I'm trying to figure out why, you know, what would you be doing in Salt Lake City if the Mormon church wasn't here? I wouldn't be in Salt Lake. I live in California. And I fly okay, out. what would you be? Do you, do you go around to Texas and California and different places and preach? No, no. I, I live in California, and I only teach and do the ministry here in Utah. What I did in California before I was born again was a perfect occupation for somebody who cheated their way through junior high, grammar school, college, and high school. I was a stockbroker. And, uh, and I did that profession, and I was able to justify my lying and cheating ways by I had to uh, make a living for my family. And then when I had my roadside experience, I was convicted of my past ways, and the Lord led me into doing what I do now. So there's, does that help you up, Mark? Well, it, yeah, I get an understanding, but the thing is, I'm, I'm almost 82 years old. I've been a member of the church since I was eight. I was baptized into the church. Okay. I've been on a mission, Spanish-speaking mission. Okay. I'm now also, I have served nine other stake missions. That is phenomenal, Mark. Now, the thing that I have always taught, I've never tried to force anybody into the church. I've never tried to knock down their religion. Okay. And the other thing is, I have always taught Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Excellent. Now, I can't understand. Wait, Mark. Why, Mark. why you're in such? Why Mark. you've got such a Mark under your saddle Mark. about the LDS Church? Mark, do you teach anything else? I'd like to know. Yeah. Do you teach anything else, Mark? Do I teach? Do you, do you teach anything else than Jesus Christ crucified, Mark? Sure I do. Well, why would you? I teach, I teach the principles of the Jesus Christ left upon the earth through the Bible. How about... Also, uh, of course, uh, I accept of course. the Book of Mormon, of the Doctrine and Covenants, and the Pearl of Great Price. Oh! Because you did 40 years. Yes, I did. Stupidly. So, Mark, you, you, you preface your whole, 
elaborate conversation. You're 82 years old. You've served mission after mission, nine of them. You preached exactly. Jesus Christ crucified, Mark. And boy, but then when you're questioned, I say, well, what did you teach anything else? You really don't need to. And suddenly you say, well, of course I did. I teach from the Bible and, of course, the Book of Mormon and the Pearl of Great Price and the Doctrine and Covenants. Now, Mark, that would include then you must teach about you have to get your new and everlasting covenant to live with Heavenly Father again and be a God. You have to do those things, don't you, Mark? Well, what do you, what's wrong with that? Well, the, the, what's wrong with it is that's not biblical, Mark. And so you're preaching a false Jesus. You're preaching a false gospel. 82 years old, and you've got to tell me nothing ever said to you, this is a bunch of hokey? The Holy Spirit, wait, the Holy Spirit never told you, hey, listen, something's wrong with this picture. Never? Never, honestly. Well, you need to I, get I, on I, your I knees have, then. I because I want to tell you something. I should do to help people. Help people? How have you helped them? To embrace a religion that puts them in chains? That makes them pay 10% in order to gain their salvation? Put them in chains. What? You, put, you, you, you make them embrace a false gospel that puts them in chains and makes them embrace a false religion that says they have to dress right and they have to pay their tithe. We make, we make them. How do we make them? Well, when you teach them and they believe you, then they believe God said it and that makes them. And, and there's no spiritual experience or... They never have any, any spiritual experiences, I'm, I'm right? Sh I'm sure Satan gives them spiritual experiences. Satan, huh? Well, I, it's not the truth, so it's got to be from... It's, it's not the truth, so it has to be from some source that's dark. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Mark, right. you have not taught that. You have said, he makes it available, but you have to make up the difference, Mark. And that is a lie. It's a flat-out lie. And you're going to die, and what you're going to have is a grand theological awakening. And you're going to see that you're going to go before the, your maker, and you're going to say, well, I was a high priest, and I was this, and I was that, and I was this. And he's going to say, those are nothing but filthy rags to me. They're rags to me. Your entire life of serving a religion are rags, Mark. How did you teach my son, who came here and died for you, is he the only way, Mark, or did you sell them a package from a guy in 1830 who slept with teenagers and lied to his wife and made it doctrine, Mark? You're okay, kidding you. yourself, old man. Wake up. Wake up. Get on your knees and say, God, I hate that man on TV. Show me the me. truth. Show me the truth, God, directly. You tell him, please. Show me the truth. Was Joseph the man I'm to follow or, it, or not? It's too late. It's not too late. It, but it will be too late. Go and find out. I already have. No, you haven't, man. And I, you know, I don't know your situation with God. I don't know if you're saved or if you're not. I don't know what your works are, good or bad. That doesn't matter to me. All I know is you have embraced and taught a false religion to people who have bought it. And you have put... I am sure a false, a you false have religion. preached a false, false religion. False you, have, you have, Mark, because it's not what the Word of God teaches. It's what Joseph alone taught. Yes. It's what Joseph taught. It's not. There's no new and everlasting covenant. There is none of this legalism. There is none, no priesthood. Jesus is not the brother, your brother. 
He is God eternal, uncreated. And you have no priesthood, huh? There is no priesthood, Mark. It's a lie. You got to just open the book of How Hebrews. Come there was priesthood in the Old Testament. It's an Old Testament construct. You got to read the New. You got to read Hebrews. You've been taught. I did. I did. I read the New Testament. Go and I came and complete and fulfilled the Old Testament. I, I stood in the authority that he brought with him. Okay. He gave to Peter, James, and John. Oh, okay. And the apostles. All right, let me ask you something. Who's the high priest then? Christ. Then why do you have high priests running around in your church? Because it's an order of the priesthood. It's a, the priesthood's a lie. There is no priesthood. Don't you understand that? Don't you get that? No, Read I the book of Hebrews, Mark. Read Listen, I have challenged you. I have, your authority thing is a, is a myth. Read a book by one of your own members. Read Grant Palmer's book, Insider's View of Mormon Origins, from your own member. He read the, he's a seminary teacher, and he wrote the truth in that book about your priesthood, so-called priesthood. Read the book, Mark. Get educated before it's too late. I love you. You might think I don't, but I love you, and that's why I'm so emphatic. Oh, okay. I, I appreciate your concern, and I, I appreciate what you're saying. All right. But the thing is, I can't understand... Why? You say you love people, but here you are persecuting a religion. You, perse you persecute Catholic or Baptist or Mormon or whatever. Anybody who steps Why? in... You're not supposed to do that. Who, where did you get you're not supposed to criticize a religion? What do you think Jesus and John the Baptist did? What do you think Paul did when they were here? What do you think Peter said? Look at are Mark. You, what are you a, a? Are you an apostle? Oh, so now you then attack a me? Wait a minute! You attack me now? You say we're not yes. supposed to do it? I do it, and I use my reasoning for doing it. And you say now? Are you calling yourself an apostle? I do what the Lord ta taught us to do—to stand for truth. You are not in the truth, so I will stand up to it with you. You don't have the truth, but you haven't studied. All you've done is sat there and drank. Oh, yes, I've studied. You've only drank the Kool-Aid they fed you, Mark. If you studied, you would have walked. Okay? It's not too late. Take a challenge. Here's the challenge, and we got to end the call. Mark. Okay, thank you. Ma no, 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 Mark. Dang. All right. We're going to Johnny in California. He's LDS. Johnny, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, there. This is, this, uh, uh, hold on one second. I want to turn my thing down just for one moment. Okay, you got to do something there, and I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> hey, Henry, just one second. Hold on one second. Okay, how long do you want me to hold here, um, Johnny? Well, I, I'm coming from Virginia, and I just want to say, how, what gives you the courage to actually stand up and say, you know, I believe in Jesus and none of this Moroni business? Well, it's processional. It happened over time. It happened through facts revealing themselves, and it took a long, long time for me. Some people it doesn't. And ultimately, when I was born again and Jesus let me know that I was saved past, present, and future and was free, that's when I started to say, hey, I've got family and friends in a religion that's lying to them. And so it may be stupidity, it might be courage, I'm not sure, but it started from that. I just want to say, because, you know, as, as a Southern man myself, I, I find it kind of hard, uh, oddly enough, as a Mormon man that I am, to actually come out and say, I no longer believe the things I did because in Georgia, where I'm originally from, my father got me involved in this thing. And now I'm starting to realize from my Baptist friends that something might be kind of screwy. You, you kind of 
see the same thing where I'm coming from? I do, I do. And something is screwy. And your Baptist training is just coming back and saying, hey, listen, is it Johnny? It is Johnny Moxman, yeah. that's correct. Well, I was No, Baptist. don't tell me your last name. No, no. Is it jo Johnny? You're doing right. And just keep following those promptings. Open up your word. See what it says. Keep reading the word. And go back to your Mormon church if you need to. Hear what they're saying. You'll walk out. The Lord's leading you, my friend. Okay, thank you very much. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Keep watching. We're going to Beatrice in Midvale. Beatrice, you're on Heart of the Matter. These people are not turning down their TVs. Beatrice? Beatrice? Yes? You got to turn your TV down. Okay. Is everybody smoking the guns tonight? Everybody. I want to speak to, yes, dear. I turn my. Okay, you're on the air. Okay. Here we go. You're on the air with Sean McCraney. Go ahead. Hi, Sean. This is Beatrice. Hi, Beatrice. Hi. I was just uh, so keyed off. I'm from Philadelphia. I was born there. And I, the reason I was like, a little frustrated. They brought the Mormon church there at Logan Square in Philadelphia. Oh. And I was sort of mad about that. Yeah. Because I used to go to Logan Square just to relax from downtown. And it's right near Benjamin Franklin Street where he lived. The bricks were there, still there. And. Did an operator talk to you at all? <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding you. So what's the point, Beatrice? Tell me the point. Oh, but I was really perked up tonight when Ken came on, and you can have transitions. Yeah. That really got to me, and I've calmed down a bit about the Philadelphia. Good. Good. That is going to help the square in Philadelphia, and it's going to help the people in Philadelphia. When we get transitions out there, that will help every church in America deal with what's going on with the Mormon church and taking over uh, everything they can. Thank you so much, Beatrice. God bless you. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Uh, please tell our operators, do not show up for volunteering if you have smoked the ganj. All right. Now, I got to say something about salvation. We heard from that caller earlier who's LDS. I've used this example before, but just bear with me because I think this needs to be said. I want you to imagine, it's the works, faith uh, uh, argument. This is what it's like. I grew up in Huntington Beach, and so I, I want you to imagine the Pacific Ocean, and there's a pier that goes out about 1,000 yards into the Pacific Ocean. It's like a, a structure that you can walk on out over the water. 30 miles away is an island. This is what it's like. People stand on the pier and they run as fast as they can and they jump toward that island. And they get as much effort as they can to get out as far as they can. Five people do it. First one goes five feet, second 10, third 15, fourth 20, and the first one lands straight down, doesn't go anywhere but an inch away. The goal to them is that island 30 miles away and they've all exerted everything they have to get off that pier as close to the island as possible. That is man's definition of work toward God, of getting to heaven by going all they can and leaping out and landing and that. Now God's purview is this. He looks down on that group and he says, okay, and he doesn't do it from 10 feet up. 
He does it from a billion miles away. And the whole human race has run to the end of the pier and jumped off. And he says, there's the whole human race at the end of that pier. Look at that little dot. And then he says, and the goal is not that, that island. The goal is Japan, 2,000 miles away. And look at what everybody has done to try to get to heaven. They have jumped. They've, and, the, and, the, and the human that's jumped the farthest, it was 25.2 feet. And most of the humans are right next to the pier. And it's just a very small gap. And the goal is 2,000 miles away. That's man's works to God. It is nothing in comparison, okay? Now, here's the thing. What does God look at at that clump of humanity down at the base of the pier? He says, who believes that I will get them to Japan? Who is in that group that has the faith that says, I will take them to the shores of Japan by my power? That is who I'm impressed with. The ones who are in that water, they can't swim far, they can't do anything, and they believe that I am going to get them to Japan 2,000 miles away. That, God says in Hebrews, is what impresses me. That is called faith. Okay, now there's going to be some people in that group that say, I got I to gotta at least try to swim to Japan 2,000 miles away. So they leave the group and they start swimming. That's the Mormons. They say, you do your best and try to swim, and you try, and that work that you're doing, that swimming towards Japan 2,000 miles away, that is what God is going to say, okay, then now you qualify for Jesus' blood, and now you qualify because they have tried to swim to Japan. But let me tell you what God says. These are the works of a Christian, okay? That whole group sitting in the water, the waves come. The storm comes, and they still sit in that water. And you know what the works are of the Christian faith? It's not to swim to uh, Japan. The works are they encourage those around them. They say, keep, keep treading water. Just keep holding on. He's going to take us to the shores of Japan 2,000 miles away. Have faith. Let me help you. Let me lift your burden a little bit here. Why? I can hold you while you're treading water here. And I can give you some water here. I brought some with me when I jumped off. Let me, that is the works that you do because you have faith that he is going to deliver you. Do you see the difference? Use that example when you talk to LDS. Because there's this idea that the faith works thing and they use it, but they use it wrongfully all the way around. The works we do are works of love because by faith we trust he will deliver us to the, uh, the shores of that island. You get that? Okay, let's go to Ashton and Draper. He's LDS, first time caller. Ashton, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. Hello. I just have a quick question for you. Yes. Okay, um... I was kind of thinking, why do, why do people baptize for the dead? I mean, for people who even knew of the Mormon religion and didn't accept it, or for people who did, you know, didn't know of it and maybe they didn't want to be in that LDS religion? Well, it, so why are the LDS doing it? Yeah. Well, it, go, it works like this, Ashton. Okay. Jo Joseph Smith... He, was, he belonged to a family that was hyper-religious, his mother especially, and his, and his father was spiritual. He had a brother who died suddenly, right. and, and his brother, uh, a preacher, came to their home right after he died and said that their brother, Alvin, was in hell because he wasn't baptized, okay? This devastated the family. Joseph Smith took a passage from 1 Corinthians 15 that refers to a practice of baptizing for the dead, what it means we're not sure, and he said, I'm going to incorporate this 
so that people who die without the opportunity to hear the gospel will have a chance to receive the right ordinances so that they can be accepted into the kingdom of heaven. The problem with the whole premise is that baptism is not required to enter into heaven. It's only by faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. So the whole premise is a mistake from the get-go. But that's why they do it, and that's why they believe in it. Okay, but why, I mean, would that put them in the LDS religion if they did that? Uh, no, because, the first of all, the baptism for the dead is a farce. It's a fiction. So if, the, if someone baptizes my grandfather there in the temple in his name, it's a farce. It doesn't affect him at all. He's not a Mormon. My grandfather is what he is before God. So, no, it so doesn't... It's just basically to put him into the kingdom. It's to put him into the kingdom. However, do they put that person whose name ha who has been baptized who has died into the Mormon church numbers? I haven't been able to find out yet. If someone knows, tell us. If they're adding those people who are baptized for the dead into their numbers of church growth, it would be really interesting to know. Okay. If you can that find out, let us know. <laughs> Thanks so much. I appreciate it, Sean. You have a good night. Okay, you too, Ashton. Bye-bye. We're going to Gerald. We're going to uh, Gerald and Draper, first-time caller. Gerald, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. Yeah, I just wanted to share an opinion about how I don't think it, and, and give you some background. I am a Catholic, but how I don't think it makes sense to use the Bible to attack uh, the concept of authority in the Catholic Church or apostolic succession, because as you know, the 27 books in the New Testament didn't fall out of heaven. There's no inspired table of contents, and it wasn't until the 4th century uh, that through a chain of apostolic succession, and, and the words bishop and presbyter are all throughout the New Testament, those 27 books, oh. this, this group of men... Uh, this, you know, in First Timothy, it talks about okay, before you go on, faithful before men, you, before the faith. Before and um, I just wanted to make that point. It doesn't make sense to take this book, these, these 27 books, and try to pull out of it whatever you want to interpret to attack that legitimate authority when in the first four centuries of the church there were competing heretical books like the Gospel of Thomas and and, and many other books, if you know, you could research that on the internet. Yeah, and you and you think it was apostolic succession that decided which of those books were going to go in and which weren't, huh? Well, it was men. Who well, or no? Yes or no? A chain of apostolic no, no, succession. No, yes or no? Was it ap was it apostles? No, yes or no? What, was it apostles who came after John, the last apostle living? What, were it apostles that gathered together and decided which books would be included in canon or not? No, I. I that wasn't decided until the, the fourth century. Okay, so there were no uh, the, apostles the, the, then. I believe the Western Church didn't want in Hebrews, and the Eastern Church didn't oh, want in true. Revelation okay, those, or those, vice versa. What that is? Okay, wait, 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 wait. Those little facts. The, the, are, I, I agree. Enough. The last apostle died. Okay. In the, in, 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 you know, around ninety-five. Okay, or so like then that. what is your point about apostolic succession and, and arguing against it when I use the Bible? Say that again. What is your point against me using the Bible to prove that apostolic? Well, well I, you, you were, like when you put up uh, Pope Benedict XVI last week in that video, I, I thought you were, uh, you know, uh, What, in that, in that regalia? Authority. That, that authority and regalia he was wearing? That is impressive. Boy, oh, yeah. I mean, That's impressive I'm not stuff. trying to say that that adds or subtracts to, to the truth of anything that's said. I mean, the Second Vatican Council says very 
many positive things about uh, the Protestant churches and that the I Holy understand. Spirit isn't limited to the visible confines of the Catholic Church. Look I mean, it. you talked about Look it. How, ver how various groups Look it. Uh, are, are, should embrace the LDS Look people it. leaving that faith, like the Baptists and Lutherans. But Baptists and Lutherans both appeal to Sola Scriptura, but they don't agree on the concept of baptizing babies. So that shows that Sola Scriptura doesn't work. That's why the Yellow Pages are... Or you have many various groups in there, Everyone but I, you know, I'm not trying to slam Protestantism. I'm just saying there is a such thing as legitimate authority. No, there's not. The authority is not in Christ. legitimate authority? The, the authority is Christ Jesus. If you're going to petition for legitimate authority to d hold priesthood rights in the Catholic Church, you've called the wrong show, dude. We, we've covered that with prophets and apostles last year in 2010. I'm not going to sit here and throw out, you know, uh, Vatican II and Sola Scriptura and all kinds of words to make my argument sound authoritative. Bottom line, the relationship is between the individual and God. There are no popes in hats or people in outfits or, or authority that says, listen, you have to listen to what I say to get to heaven. That's a lie. No, I just told you that the, the Holy Spirit's not limited to the Catholic Church. I'm... I'm not saying that. Oh, that's nice of you. It's not limited to any church. It's not a church. The Catholic right, well, Church I mean, has I'm, no. I'm just sharing an opinion. The I, no, I no, no, but listen, Gerald. Right. You know, the Catholic Church. You said you had a lot of calls about people that were upset that you put up Benedict. Gerald, Gerald. The Catholic week. Church has no priesthood authority. None. Neither does the Mormon. Where do you get the authority to say I that? don't have authority, but by my faith in Jesus Christ, like anybody could come stand here and preach what the Bible says. Okay, well if, then who, who's right? The Lutherans that baptize infants and appeal to Scripture? Believers. Or the Baptists that don't baptize what, what, you infants? Ha you have to have an institution to tell you who's right? How about believers are right? Why do you want to say who's right? Both That's not the argument. There are different groups of believers that have different... Who cares? That both what are the core doctrines? Your church, by the way, says I need to look at to Mary, say prayers to Mary. Look at, we look at the Bible, it tells us what to believe and what not to believe. By the Bible, we test all things. And a believer by themselves, sitting in a village, never stepping foot into any church, is justified before God by their faith. You've got it all wrong saying who's right. Nobody's right when it comes to religion. Don't you get it? It's the relationship between the individual and God and the Holy Spirit that changes their life. Then you can go to whatever church you want to go to, Pope wearing or Bishop wearing or Baptist wearing, okay, do it. But don't try to take the Bible and say, we have the authority to act in God's name. It's not true. Sorry, we are done with that. Oh, three minutes. Any last words, Gerald? Well, I, I, you know, I just again wanted to share my opinion that, you know, I guess we'll just agree to disagree that I oh, believe that Christ instituted some legitimate authority. In well, the, you got to use the Bible to show me how. You can't just cite church history because church history is full of weeds and horrible acts. You don't want me to cite church history when it comes oh, to the topic. Oh no, you know, yeah, just because, yeah, I mean, yeah, I know there's a lot of okay. Uh, so let's quote scripture, church, but that's not the doctrine. I mean, if people would have followed the vows they took, there never would have been any scandals. Uh, you, you look at the vows, all of it, all of it. Read the word, and it will tell you what is right and wrong. And in terms of authority, go ahead and call us with something from the word, and say, Sean, this proves there is apostolic authority, and then we will go through. But I can't do it on the cuff. Twenty-seven here. books in the New Testament are a product of apostolic oh, read, if you study it. If I study it, why don't you read a simple book by Norman Geisler about how they got the Bible? It's called How They Got the Bible. Norman Geisler. 
a great scholar of church antiquity. He will tell you how they came up with the Bible. And it is not by this process you are trying to say uh, occurred in that way. It is by a process that occurred when Jesus well, he, and the he, Holy he, Spirit I mean, surely fell. he cites the Council of Hippo and Council of Carthage, I would hope, and, and Anastasius, his, I can't, I'm not saying his name right, but his Easter letter, his Easter yeah. epistle. You know, I could bring Ken Mulholland up here right now. Professor at uh, the Salt Lake Seminole, uh, Theological Seminary before it shut down. And he will address every one of these things you're throwing out. What it is, it's just a barrage of, of bits of information, and you're losing the big picture. The big picture is Christ is our authority. Okay? I love you. Take care. Goodbye. Uh, caller wants to elaborate on Ken's point of identity shift. Uh... What, what caller is it? Is it Mark? Yes? No caller. Off air. Called and said he wanted to make a point. What's the point? We don't know. Okay, listen. Um, one more, really quickly. Rebecca, who uh, joined the church, or is going to the church because it supports her, she writes this. I struggled with addiction 12 years, and during that time, I did a lot of immoral things. I had been clean for 11 and completely turned my life around. She's going to the LDS church for support. After spilling all my sins to the bishop, he said I needed to talk to the stake president to find out if there was a chance I would be excommunicated. The following week, the bishop told me that the stake president didn't see a reason for me to be exed. Make a long story short, they held a disciplinary court on me. They decided to go out and pray about it when I left. And an hour and a half later, they came back in and said they were going to excommunicate me. She says, I was devastated. I couldn't speak. I just got up and walked out. I told the bishop for years, I lived with the consequences of my actions and of my using of this and that. I felt like, I felt like a piece of dirt. I, I feel now like I was exed, and the church is validating that I am a piece of dirt. Here is the difference. We all have a past, we all have a present, and we all continue to do things that make us pieces of dirt. We're not going to be perfect. That is why Jesus and Jesus alone is the answer. Not tribunals, not councils of excommunication, him and him alone. Go to him, ask him to be Lord of your life. We'll see you next week here on Heart of the Matter. Job audience. Job, Ken.